This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hello, and welcome back to the Young Makers Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kenzie Aaron of Aaron Iron and Steel. Let's get right into it. With me in the studio, as never, is no one. It, if that makes any sense, this is a... Well, I'm wrinkling my assortment of scribbles I have written for myself here to hopefully focus myself. This is a solo episode. We're just going to be covering some things I've been thinking about, uh, some things that I wanted to mention to you guys. We're going to be going over my past week, which has been very busy. Then we're going to get into some ideas about why I do this podcast and where I want to go with it, as well as, you know, just some some general stuff about me. You guys listen to me for an hour every week, and so I just wanted you guys to get inside my head a little bit. I'll talk about some ideas I may have just personally and in the shop for the future, you know, mostly shop-related ideas for the future. Uh, talk about just some general challenges of making. We're going to stray away a little bit from the young makers topic and broaden out into general, you know, just making topic. And yeah, we'll cover cover some good stuff. This is going to be a more laid back episode. I've got a cup of tea here instead of my usual water. It's delicious. And... I hope I didn't just gross out too many of you guys there. I thought it would be funny. Um, so yeah, we're relaxing. It's like 10.30 on Monday night. I am irresponsibly recording this episode at the last minute because I had a lot of stuff I was thinking about and I'm trying to figure out the best way to cover it in this episode. So I've never planned out an episode so extensively. I have just a page of jots that I want to touch on that hopefully will guide my conversation and keep me focused so that I'm not just rambling for however long I can make. I'm only at two minutes already. We'll see how long I can stretch this for without getting boring. But I'm a very disorganized person, generally. And so the idea of this podcast, although I'll never admit it, is just to show the whole world how uh, young makers are better than everybody else and get on our high horse and just toot about you know how responsible and ahead of our time and whatever young makers are and so it reflects poorly on that goal when you know my audio is awful which we're going to touch on or you know we can't can't seem to keep the conversation rolling and I'm just I'm trying to figure out this podcast thing and I want to touch on my struggles with that as well and we'll talk about you know the point of this podcast but first you know let's get into my past week uh it's been a very busy week for me one of my busiest and busy in the way that I've wanted weeks to be for ages and I've just finally been able to get into the workflow that I dream of so, without further ado, I do also have water. Let's get into my past week. So, it started out with I finally finished a knife. If you follow my Instagram, at Aaron Iron and Steel, with uh, underscores in between each word, you will have seen it's a 7-inch chef's knife. 
Uh, that was supposed to be a Santoku, but had a small crack near the edge that I ground past. I'm confident that the knife is structurally sound. I did some tests. It's good. And so I sent it to my first repeat customer who... I don't want to give out any names, but he's a pretty big bodybuilder. Like, bodybuilders aren't big. Big as in his reach. You know, he's a pretty well-known bodybuilder. And he may or may not be giving this knife away. So if you've been looking for my work, I'll give you guys more information on that when I know I'm allowed to talk freely about it. So that was exciting. I sold a knife for the first time in um, almost almost two months now. Um, month and a half which felt good because I've messed up so many times I'm I'm out of money and supplies so I got that and I spent all that money on grinding belts and whatnot so I'm broke again but it's good it feels good I'm finally gonna have the sandpaper and stuff that I need so I feel a lot better about that then I took a day to work on a project that has been simmering in the back of my head for a while uh, it was my third attempt at a pair of scissors. The first two were shear style or like spring scissors where it's one U-shaped piece with blades on each end. And they were both awful failures. So I did some more research into what makes scissors cut and you know I learned about the twist and the bend that each blade needs and I got a lot closer with this pair which is a hinging pair of scissors. You know your classic the scissors were all know and love and they turned out a lot better they're very thick so I was cutting leather with them no problem which leads me down an exciting path and I'm really excited to try making more scissors in the future I really enjoyed the process of making them and the disc sander helped a lot with that those those scissor blades cuz what you wanna do is you wanna get the blades completely flat and grind in your bevel and then you want to bend them a little bit so that you have flat planes that are curved inwards and then only the very edge of the blades are touching at the crook the crook of the two blades is that's the only point touching so that you don't have any extra drag and so that's pretty tricky I still couldn't get it tight so it cuts cardboard and leather really nicely but paper it's a little bit coarse so I'm really excited to try more of that and the flats of the scissors look like a fantastic platform for engraving which is what I did yesterday I worked on engraving well I made my first graver because I was watching the Alex Steel Viking Sword video and if you show me a person who watches that series and doesn't want to try engraving I'll show you a liar every time I watch that it really makes me want to try it and I had a free day while I'm waiting for supplies so I found an old round file that's uh, you know seen better days it's not cutting anymore and I ground in you know a rough graver shape to it and uh, you know it's not a professional graver but I've started cutting a couple lines and a couple simple curves I'm doing a little bit every day and I'm really excited to see where engraving can take me see if I can figure it out find some money to buy um, real gravers we shall see so stay tuned for more about that so scissors and engraving have been very exciting 
and I have some more plans in the works. I just sold a small Ajax anvil that I picked up a couple weeks ago. The guy was trying to get rid of it quick, so he sold it cheap, and I figured I'd just... I didn't need another anvil, and I don't have space to keep it, so I just picked it up and flipped it. And it turns out that the price was not as good as I thought, so I ended up selling it for the same price I bought it for. Whatever, you know. It ended up just... I gave me an opportunity to interact with a fantastic tool. It's a 75 pound forged anvil and I love anvils, you know. So it was nice to get to see it and touch it and, you know, test it out a little bit. And then I sold it off again today to a guy who will hopefully use it quite a bit. I'm excited about that. So I have a little bit of pocket money now which should be going directly into a forge build I've been planning. I told you guys, this week never ends. This is a week-long description of my week, so just uh, buckle up, because we're not done yet. I've been planning a new propane forge build, because the propane forge I have now, I only currently use it for heat treating, and it is... I, I have to use it with a respirator, because it is unsealed kale wool, insulation one I don't even know if you can call it a full inch it's got like half an inch of kale wool and then some cracked up fire bricks on the bottom cheap burners regulator I can't really control it the airflow it's it's not nice I it was the cheapest one I could find at the time and I'm still using it so it's time for an upgrade I'm doing two inch thick kale wool covered in the ITC ceramic coating to reflect heat and soft fire brick floor. I'm building, and I would like to make um, frosty style tea burners. I don't know how many people know about those. Frosty is uh, a person on the iForge Iron forum, and he has a burner plan, and he'll help you with it as you build it to dial them in. It uses a MIG tip, but it seems like they're very well designed burners made from plumbing parts so I will try my hand at building one of those and I want to do I'm building this forge with one intention only and that is high heat so I don't I'm not worried about durability at all I'm actually building it just for efficiency and heat now and hopefully I won't regret that later if if I have to reline it next month then you know I'll put something more durable but I'm using the highest heat parts that I can. So kale wool insulates better than a castable refractory or a hard fire brick, but it will be eaten away by flux and heat very quickly, you know, comparatively. Whereas a, a harder refractory will take more time to get up to heat, and its high top heat will it's roughly the same but it takes a lot longer to get there and then when you're sucking heat out of it it doesn't replenish as fast and so I'm building it just for highest heat possible and more control because uh, I want to use a single burner and I want it to run really efficiently so we will see how that works but I'm excited to be finally working on a new forge because I'm not happy with the propane it's so inefficient and dangerous that I'm not a fan of using that and the coal forge that I have, I'll need to redo a firebox for that because the shape is not, you know, made for knives. It's more of like a rivet forge or a horseshoe forge than anything else. So 
it's been uh, making knives difficult, especially with you know kitchen knives. They're long and they burn so quick once they get thin. A propane forge should definitely help with that. And that is my week. It is you know since last week when I recorded the podcast episode with Liam Penn that you guys have never heard. Thank goodness. It was a fantastic conversation. He did great. I think my interviewing skills were as good as they've ever been. Uh, Take that as you will. But the sound quality was awful. It was so awful I couldn't put it up. And I don't know what's different. And the Jonah Conrad one as well was almost too bad to put up. But the Liam Penn latest episode was so bad and I haven't changed anything Uh, people are telling me my gain is too high but there's no way to adjust that on my computer so I'm trying to record on another computer hopefully it'll work also I will only be accepting guests that have proper microphones from now on to hope or at least like a gaming headset or something that will block out more of the white ambient noise Hopefully, hopefully that'll help the sound quality. But we're trying to figure out some stuff with the sound. It's, and I really want this podcast to be a higher level than it is at right now. I want, you know, if I'm going to be working hard on the sound and I'm putting more time into planning episodes and thinking about what I want to talk about, as well as honing my own skills and my own talking skills, to be less repetitive is something that I feel like I do and or, <laughs> I am repetitive and therefore I would like to work on saying speaking in a less redundant manner as well as um, controlling the flow of the conversation better and not doing this exact same thing I'm doing right now where I pause to think about the next word that's coming I want to work on my flow a little bit and reduce redundancy and work on my audio quality as well. So I'm working on a lot of things and I want to just because I want to bring this the level of the work in this podcast up a notch. The craftsmanship going into this podcast should be as good as I can make it, especially because we will likely be receiving ads soon. Some of you may have noticed that other podcasts on the Makery are beginning to receive targeted ads. And, you know, if I'm going to be getting money for this, I don't want to be putting out a subpar product that is only receiving what benefits I get from it because of my affiliation with other better produced podcasts. So regardless of my listener count, or my streamed hours or whatever statistic you want to base it off of as long as I'm putting in the same amount of work or putting out a similar quality then I feel like I can deserve the rewards that I get and anybody who is listening to these podcasts and complaining about the ads I believe most podcasts use one to two ad slots an episode and if you think about that it's a little bit of it's a little bit of money for the creators who are putting out this for you. If a movie star makes millions of dollars a movie, why do you complain about having to buy... You don't complain about having to buy a ticket or a Netflix subscription 
so having to watch an or listen to an ad on this because we are we are giving you our time to create content for you right and i i haven't received any complaints but i assume that a lot of people will or a lot of people complain to themselves and don't feel very good about hearing the ads so just if you don't like it just think about the time we're putting in you know i put in on average an hour of recording time a week as well as the time I spend thinking about it, putting, you know, testing sound as I've been doing a lot this week, finding guests, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot more planning to my episodes. And so all that time that goes into it, we should get some compensation. And so far, the only compensation I've needed, and I really appreciate from you guys, is some really awesome comments I saw today. I don't have an Apple device. No one in my house has an Apple device, actually. So I can't look at the Apple podcasts and reply or see my reviews. But just know that I have a third-party app that you know shows them to me as well as where I am on charts and whatnot. And last week, I was in the top 200 in a couple countries. So thank you guys for that. This week, because I didn't make an episode last week, we dropped out of them. But I appreciate you guys listening. And comment you know commenting or reviewing i've seen those reviews i've been getting fantastic reviews and i can't thank you guys enough so please if you enjoy it give me a review if you don't enjoy it you know let me know send me a dm at young makers podcast on instagram leave a bad review not that i'm trying to encourage you to leave a bad review i would prefer if you just talk to me first before lowering my score but if you must you know any way that you feel good sharing your opinion with me and constructive opinion um please don't just say it sucks you know i would i would really want to improve i'm striving for improvement and please if you can help with that in any way i really appreciate it so with a couple of those things out of the way you know why do i want to put all this time into the podcast because it's not just a side hustle to try and get a little bit of cash but it's because I want to share something with you guys. I want to share the young making community and so far it has been fairly knife specific or fairly blacksmithing at least. You know, we had the fantastic Jonah Conrad on, but I'm I would like to grow it and I would like to show you guys the young people who are creating fantastic work. And I want to share that with you because it's it's very difficult for us to get a foothold in this world where people like Bob Kramer live. How is a person like me supposed to hold your attention when Bob Kramer is making the work that he does, which is incredible, you know? And he deserves all the attention, and guys like him, you know, all the fantastic knife and non-knife makers all the fantastic craftsmen and artisans making things, artists, you know, they all deserve attention. And so this is just one way to give young makers that attention that, you know, everything else is for established people. But a challenge of a young maker is a complete lack of relations or establishments, if that makes sense. Well, you know, whereas... A 40-year-old knife maker may have gone to an art school or some type of college of design or something where they've made friends and relationships, pardon me, that can go out 
and you know help get their work recognized in things whereas for us we're building all those relationships right now and that goes for people who you know quit being an accountant to become a knife maker or whatever as well and so you know what new makers this podcast isn't just the young makers podcast but in a lot of ways it could be seen as the new makers podcast for people anyone who's gone from a completely cre non-creative world into the world of uh, craftsmanship in the last five years or so. You know, there's a lot of similarities between an ex-accountant and a child, right? If you, if you see my point, depending on the way you look at it. And so that's also part of it is I want to just put those people up there for for you all to see and make it a little bit obvious to people who, you know, might not have um, been able to see it. You know, someone, a kid you may not have seen, I would like to make them apparent to you. That's how, exactly how I want to say that. And there's a plethora of skills that young people and new makers do not possess, right? That you have to build and that come with starting a craft because the way I see it people that work with their hands fall into three categories well, I break it down simply into three categories there's other things like artisan or you know a factory worker but I'd like to break it down simply trades crafts and arts right so a trade and you know, you can disagree with me or agree with me as you want. I've thought about this and the way I personally define it, you know, it may not even be the way that, you know, is legally defined or dictionary definition. But the way I look at it is a trade, you are creating something purely functional. You are welding a gas pipeline. You are, you know, assembling kitchen cabinets, you know, simple kitchen cabinets, or you're, you know, framing houses, things like that. There is no art involved, and you're not creating with the intent of any aesthetics. You are just creating something purely functional. And obviously, there's a little bit of wiggle room within each of these definitions, but you understand my point. A tradesperson creates a functional object only then the next step up is a craftsperson who is creating something functional like a well-crafted knife is a functional object that is also beauty whether it has a simple beauty to it you through a simple elegance or whether it's beautiful but it still cuts well you know and so that is that is craft, and the way I see it is bringing beauty and functionality together. And I think it's the ultimate form of design personally, but I'm biased, to be fair. Then you have art. And art, the way I define it, is something purely aesthetic. Aesthetical. Aesthetic. Something only made to look at or to listen to, like music you know, or a painting. There's nothing you can do with a painting other than look at it. And so it serves no functional purpose. And there is a distinct and important place in our world for art. But 
it serves no functional purpose. You can't create anything with art. Whereas craft is something beautiful that you can create with. And a trade is something where beauty matters not, but it, it you can create something with it. So a plain hammer at Home Depot is something that was made by a tradesperson. Whereas a hammer that you know Jonah Conrad made is something made by a craftsperson. You can create with it. And then a steel sculpture created with that hammer is art. Because that sculpture cannot create anything else. But it can inspire, and that's the importance of art. And so, coming into a craft like knife making, your first few knives, or if you're a chair maker, your first few chairs, you you know, it's a f transferable. But your first few knives will look wonky. And at first you won't be able to put your finger on why it looks wrong. And eventually you'll realize that's because for something to look right as a crafted item or a crafts, crafts item is it must perform. You, something crafted can't be beautiful without perform, being able to perform well. So a knife will look weird if the edge or the spine or something is made in a way that is non-functional or serves no purpose. And then you can get into art knives like Van Barnett does, which can be incredible. But if you want that simple elegance, it has to look right, proportional and functional. And so coming into your first craft, that's what will take the longest, is trying to figure out shapes that'll look right. And I always notice it with knife makers, it's in the tip. You end up with these fat, stubby little tips or, you know, really pointy little tips. Man, I'm glad I'm not on knife talk. All this tip talk would get me in trouble. Oh, that's another thing I did this week is I sent in a question to knife talk and I said knives and I seriously regretted that one. I need to spell check again because knives is a bad choice if you're going to send it in to those guys. Not that they hurt my feelings or anything, but, you know... <laughs> Say, so if you're sending questions into them, make sure you spell check because they're not going to let knives slide. But that's a side note. Anyways, you'll notice that in the tip or the belly of the knife, something looks wrong. Or on a chef's knife, if the thinnest point or the, the widest, broadest point isn't the very heel of it, it'll look off. And that's because our image of a chef's knife is functional. And so you will immediately see that lack of function even if you don't know what you're looking at. And so starting in a craft, that's a, that's a big challenge, especially for a young person who has you know less experience with things like this. You haven't handled a chef's knife for as many hours as even just a, stand, you know, a normal adult. And so dialing in that looking right can take a long time, a very long time. But eventually, once you get it, it's very satisfying. And that's sort of what this podcast is about, in a way, is the simple challenges that come along with being young and the simple, the simple reasons why we do it and persevere through these challenges. And so, like I had said earlier, it is to bring people to your attention, but it is also to give you an insight into those people and the Young Makers community as a whole, and why we do it. 
and our unique perspective on making. So I covered a lot of this in the introduction, but I just wanted to come back to it and look at it again now that my priorities have shifted slightly and now that I'm starting to find my groove in this podcast. And, you know, I've been reflecting a lot on my last episodes, my you know, my previous episodes and what I've done wrong, what I've done right. And I haven't gotten any negative feedback yet, except on the awful audio, which, you know, people pointed it out to me and I realized that that's unacceptable. But for myself, you know, as personal growth, I've gotten no negative feedback yet. And I guess that's how I know that I'm not successful is I don't have any haters, which I guess I appreciate. The community that I'm beginning to build around myself You know, I have 700 followers on Instagram right now, which sounds like so much. And then you hear about people with millions and you're like, oh, I'm awful. But that's the trap of social media. Something that, that would make a great episode. I should think about that. And the pitfalls that kids fall into in social, whoa, that's a good one. So anyways, um, the community that I'm beginning to build around myself, around this podcast and around my own Instagram is such a supportive and positive one and i really appreciate that and you guys as well so i just wanted to point that out and say thank you but i haven't gotten any negative feedback yet and so i'm trying to figure out what i can improve because i feel like my podcast isn't on a level yet and i think as i talk more and i loosen up i'll crack more jokes you know last year at school i was known as the kid that if i didn't make a joke in a social situation for like 20 minutes people would ask me if i'm okay I'm really a jokester. Wow, I said the word jokester. See, this is what I'm talking about. Young makers are old souls. My mom commented on that. She said, listening to the podcast, that all us young makers are so serious. And so we don't act like normal kids. And I guess that's true. I just said the word jokester. So that sort of proves the point, I suppose. But yeah, I'm... I'm a funny guy. I even did stand-up comedy a couple times at um, some talent shows and whatnot, so hopefully we'll see that uh, funny side come out of me a little bit more, and I'll tone down the, you know, mystical, trying to get all in your heads with wisdom, trying to sound wise. I should stop trying to sound wise, because I'm 15. I don't know how wise a 15-year-old kid can be, although that's what all my friends call me, is wise. I'm I'm like an old man. I said jokester. I can't get over that. I said jokester. So, yeah. You know, hopefully as my personality comes out, the podcast will become more interesting. And as I become more comfortable behind the mic, it'll flow better. And interviewing can be difficult. Because responding to... You have to respond. When somebody finishes saying something, you have to respond without cutting them off. And you have to keep this energy up, with, which at 11 o'clock on a Monday night is a little bit difficult. And this is an irresponsible time to be recording at the last second. My bad. But you know what? We're getting the episode up there. It's going to be fantastic. The audio is going to be so much better than the last two episodes. I will try and fix that, by the way. I'm working on trying to get an audio editing software or something to hopefully adjust what I have. But anyways, we're coming up on half an hour, and I still have actually quite a bit to talk about, so just let me get some water.
Excellent. And we will continue going. Talking for half an hour is exhausting. And I'm trying to keep some energy up. I'm trying to get going. We're grooving. And we're going to keep on rolling. Um, speaking of the community I'm beginning to build around myself, I would love to hear what you guys think about the podcast. Or any... Sug- I know like a lot of podcasts like to say don't suggest people as guests. But you know what? Send me a young maker... Or even, you know, if if you started when you were 12 and you're 20 now, you know, I'm not completely opposed to having you on the podcast to talk about that transition into becoming, going from a young maker into an adult and the transition that came with that. We had Josh Smith on the first episode, which is still our most popular episode ever. Go check that out. It was really awesome to get to know the youngest ever Master Smith. Incredible. And so, yeah. Shoot me a DM with suggestions, questions. I'd love to get more listener involvement in it. I'm considering doing a segment where I pose a question to you guys and you send me an answer. Let me know what you think about that. I don't know if we have enough followers on the Young Makers Podcast Instagram to get doing a lot of listener involvement stuff, but we'll see. If I get a lot of responses to this, I will start doing that. So go check out at Young Makers Podcast on Instagram. So, as a young maker, school is looming up large in front of me. I still have, well, I should have three years left of high school. I have two at the rate that I'm going. I'm really working my butt off to try and graduate early. That's why I took uh, summer school classes. I'm taking, you know, extras. I'm in grade 10 now, but I'm taking some grade 11 classes and whatnot. So, I should have two years of high school left, and then I'm off to college or the working world and I have to figure that out but that's not the you know that major life decision isn't what's looming large in front of me what's looming large in front of me is waking up at 6 30 every morning and then getting home at you know 3 30 and finding time to get into the shop I play I do all the sports and whatnot so it's very difficult for me to get into the shop during the school year so I'm really learning and that over the past couple years has really taught me to value my shop time immensely as a personal value but this summer uh, now making money it has taught me to value my shop time and my personal time and put a dollar amount on that and to say hey I have this much time in my life right And I'm going to give some to you in the form of this knife. How much does this knife cost? So I'm I'm valuing my shop time in a sentimental way, as in I'm so psyched to get into the shop and I value this time personally so much, as well as I'm valuing this time with a dollar amount. So now that's just doubled the value of all my shop time. And when I get in there, I really soak it up. And I find that I'm more productive because of this value. And so I think that's something, I don't want to get all preachy here, but that's something that anybody who works with their hands in a shop should um, try to apply to themselves, is just take a second and think about how you value your shop time. Um, You know, that's up to you. I always try and pose these questions, and I don't know if I'm old enough to be posing these questions to you guys. Um, It's okay. I'm sure you'll get over it if you don't like it. 
but it's a school shop balance is a challenge as well because I obviously especially if I want to graduate early I have to keep my grades up right I have to perform at a very high level to show that I deserve to be working ahead because it takes teachers a lot of extra work to try and you know make my schedule and whatnot to help me along this difficult path and so I have to keep my grades up it's not like I can you know be pulling 65 percent in classes and so I have to do any homework I get I have to keep up on it and focus and then come home and somehow find time to get into the shop because I treat it as a job now I'm not going to work a job at McDonald's I'm just gonna keep making knives and maybe scissors in the future and so I'm trying to balance that and that's something I want to talk about with other young makers on future episodes we have a couple of very exciting makers roughly lined up not you know no date set but we have some very exciting young makers that I can't wait to interview um, in the next couple weeks shortly so look forward to that Just build some hype around those but how do you balance school time and shop time and it's a thing that I'm sure adults have with work time as well but it's not like you can simply go part-time at school once you start to pick up you know once you start making more money at knives you can depending on your job you may be able to go part-time whereas at school it is a shorter day though as you know you're not getting home at five so it's a trade-off and it's a different situation that adults may have to face and I don't know how that feels to be an adult because I am a child I'm a young man but it takes a lot of responsibility to try and manage your time like that and so well knife making has taught me the skills of knife making working with my hands patience it has also taught me now to handle money and to control you know responsibly I have I spend most of my money on the shop and then I get a small amount from each knife as personal money and then you know a small allowance I don't you know my parents are good I get some allowance and so it's taught me to manage money to run a business and it has taught me to manage my time so there's a lot of benefits that have come along with it so I'm really grateful to have found this and I'm really grateful to you guys for letting me share my experiences with you guys but you learn a lot in the shop too is my point you know you learn a lot at school but you know some of the skills aren't quite as functional as learning to manage money they try and touch on it but I don't know sometimes school feels a little bit a little bit iffy but I'm sure they have a master plan or something but I guess my point is that shop time is very valuable you learn a lot in the shop and it's not just shop related skills that you learn and so valuing that shop time as an educational experience as well as a financial experience or you know as financial aid you can make some money off of it you know there's a there's a lot of stuff that comes with that you know there's a lot of stuff to think about around what you do in the shop and with that I didn't quite touch on my grand plans for the future but we're approaching the 40 minute mark it's been a lot of me talking at you guys and quite frankly I'm tired 
And so I think I'm going to say goodnight to you guys. I am not going to say a maker that has been inspiring me the past week because I've barely been on, you know, the internet at all. I, well, on Instagram or anything like that. My inspiration for this week is all the podcasts on the Makery Network. I've been studying a lot for this. I've been listening to Simple Little Life. He does the most solo episodes. So to do this, I listen to all his solo episodes, which he keeps interesting, and he keeps on a topic all the time, and he talks so much smoother than me that I really listen to him a lot to try and work on that. Of course, I listened to Knife Talk, the granddaddy of all the Makery Network, which is a fantastic podcast with a great episode this week. They come out every Monday. I've been listening to the... Oh, what's that one called? Brian House's Work For It podcast is another excellent podcast. Excellent. They're all fantastic on the Makery. There's, you know, I haven't listened to Overcooked yet, but I'm sure it's great. Full Blast podcast has some hilarious anecdotes on there, but he gets he goes deep into the people. Wow, I he, uh, sorry guys, uh, this is a kids show. He he gets deep into the mind there. He, you know, it digs deep. But you know, sometimes you'll listen to I know like all the podcasts or uh, YouTube channels and stuff aimed at uh, teenagers and stuff it's this very fake enthusiasm and excitement and you're yelling and I don't think any of the podcasts have that fake energy it all seems very real down to earth it's relaxing it's not distracting but it's entertaining and it's just fantastic easy shop listening so definitely that's my inspiration for the week is the makery network they're inspiring me to up my game in my podcasts um, so you guys can thank them if you enjoyed this episode any more than any other episodes so with that I would like to end this podcast again once more by thanking everyone who left a review first off thank you guys so much for those reviews they were so fantastic and they really made my day reading them and they help out you know getting the podcast out to a wider audience secondly I would like to give a huge thanks to anyone who listens to this podcast and you know bears with me as I grow and as I learn the pitfalls of audio quality and as I you know come into my own in this podcast I really appreciate you guys for listening and coming along with me on that journey so thank you to all the listeners and then finally I would like to thank I don't have anyone else I'd like to thank me for being great oh and thank you to my grandma for listening to all the podcasts i know she wants a shout out so thank you grandma uh and with that i would like to wish you guys a fantastic night i really hope you've enjoyed and until next week you know we drop every tuesday oh also send a message to young makers podcast on instagram go f follow that page follow at Aaron iron and steel with underscores between each word and that's all i got so thank you guys very much for listening until next week keep making keep listening good night if you like this show take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network